is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am so thrilled to welcome Tom Rath to the show. Tom will be talking about how the goal of development should be more about service and less about self. It's about answering the question, what can I give? Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I am really thrilled. I I was telling you uh, before we went live with the show today that I have been a fan and a consumer of your content for such a long time. So it's truly a joy for me to have you on the show today. But I'd love to get started because you have an amazing new book called Life's Great Question. Discover how you contribute to the world. And, And this is a slight departure from some of your other work. Clearly, it's a dovetail, right? But I'd love to get to the heart of it right away. What, uh, what prompted you to, to really focus on this? Yeah, you know, I've spent most of my career essentially trying to figure out how can we help people to lead better lives as, the, as a product of the work that they do. You know, if we spend a majority of our waking hours at work on average, um, we need that work to be a much better experience if we want it to make a positive contribution to human health and well-being. And unfortunately, I think the the current state of the just fundamental relationship between people and the work that we do, um, the I guess the good news, if there is some, is that the organizations are getting a lot out of us as individuals. Unfortunately, most of us as individuals are not getting as much out of the work as we should. And when I look at what I've seen and been a part of in the last kind of 25 years in the business world, it's clear that we've spent a lot of time looking inward and gaining more self-awareness, which is really important and it's a really good place to start. But we haven't spent anywhere near enough time having a robust conversation about what the world needs and how who we are can fill into those gaps about what the world needs. And maybe most importantly, how we can have even more direct line of sight and visibility to these contributions that we're making each day so that we can feel good about it and that that can energize us to do more and to go home and feel like we've done more meaningful work. And I love that you use the word energize, right? And and certainly that is a, a foundational component in playing to one's strengths. And and for those that don't know, you are certainly uh, the globally known author of StrengthsFinder 2.0. And and I'm a big big advocate of StrengthsFinder. I use it in my coaching quite readily. So I want to find out, you're still saying that strengths, identifying one's strengths remains important, right? Finding those things that energize us. But perhaps now looking at it through a different lens of how we can contribute to the world. I'd love for you to unpack that. Yeah. And I I think strengths are a a great starting point to say, here's who I am. And I think the challenge is a lot of times um, you hear people start to point their strengths towards how can I be more of who I am? How can I follow my passions, follow my interests? And the, the more I got into the study of this, I mean, it turns out that if you're saying that 
you're, you're going to anchor everything around following your passions. You're assuming that your passions are essentially what the world needs to evolve around and what the world needs. And as, as much as it'd be nice if things worked out that way, it usually does. Um, so what I've been trying to do recently is to go back and look at what are all of the things that our society needs and our society and our communities and our families value. And I, I'm in the early days of sorting through some of this, but I went back and looked at all of the job descriptions that the United States uh, Department of Labor Statistics has and tried to narrow down to what are the things that people get paid to do in our society and tried to hone in on some of the basic elements, common elements of jobs that people have and what consumers need in our society today. And I think if we start with what the world needs and what our communities need, and then we take point A, which is who we are and our talents and what we want to do and connect that with point B, point B being these very specific needs of teams and organizations and communities, it yields a more practical and more productive conversation than just telling someone to go pursue their own passions or their own interests. What I love about it is it really inspires a sense of of global citizenry, right? How can we give back, pay it forward, get involved, and again, using your your word, contribute, right? How how can we make a difference there? So let me ask, was there a personal shift for you when you stepped back and said, okay, here are my strengths, but how can I use them for the greater good? You know, there was, there was, a, there was a personal shift, but it was almost on more of a pragmatic, how can I spend my time in a more optimal way sense where, you know, I've I've looked at the field of kind of contribution and what experts have said about this over the years. But the thing that had the most influence on my daily routine was a quote from uh, Dr. King, who said, uh, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And when you think about that, the profound words from Dr. King, you know, it's tempting to see that as some big picture existential call to action. But I've started a couple of years ago, I started applying that on a daily basis. And I said, if I ask myself that question, what are you doing for others every morning? How could that change the way I structure and prioritize my daily routine? And what I learned from that is that if I structure my routine so that I spend even a little bit of time, an hour and a good day, focusing on a project that I know will continue to have a positive influence for one other person a week from now, a month from now, if I'm lucky, maybe a decade from now, I end up spending more time on the things that matter most instead of spending all of my day just responding to things and trying to get to inbox zero and trying to keep my head above water and stuff that nobody will care about a day from now. Yeah, I love that. And it resonates with me so personally. Many years ago, a mentor of mine shared something similar in that she said, take 30 minutes in this example of every day and think about how you can help someone else. And that that has stuck with me many, many years later. And I, I so appreciate the simplicity of that call to service, right? Because how we help others is not only a good thing to do, but we learn so much from that. So and you know, thank you for sharing it's that. It's interesting when you say that because most of my best contribution moments in a day are investments in the growth and development of my son or my daughter 
who are nine and 11 right now. So even, but the point is we've got to take the time to acknowledge that. So last night I spent a half hour working with my daughter on some word study words where she's trying to figure out the, what the root of the word means. So it helps her with her writing and reading vocabulary. And if I don't take the time to acknowledge that that's a meaningful and enjoyable contribution, it doesn't help to motivate you to do more of that and to keep thinking like that in the future. So we also need to spend a little bit of time connecting the dots with the way that adds to another person's life. I like that. It's it's the lens through which we see things. Absolutely. So something, again, that was really powerful to me in the book is obvious to many, right? That work is draining and exhausting and it's seemingly killing so many people out there, right? When it should be making us healthier. We read about burnout and, and people that are just truly exhausted. But you also go on to say, look, if you're unfulfilled or happy at work, often people just say, okay, get me out of here. I need a new job. But you're suggesting a different tactic. Tell us about that. Well, in some cases, people need to resort to the thought of, do I need a new job? But I found that in many cases, people jump to that thought too quickly. And it's one of those things that's really hard to unwind once you've opened that door about, should I start looking around for other jobs and the like, when in many cases, it is possible to shape the job that you have into one that can be a lot more meaningful and maybe be one that you could love over time. And, you know, when I spend time with leaders and managers, in most cases, they they don't care how someone who works for them gets from point A to point B, as long as they're getting the things done that are necessary for their customers, their clients, the people they serve. And they want individual employees to have quite a bit of freedom about when they work, how they work, the way in which they approach problems and solve things. And so I do think each of us should, before we give up on a job at least, we should try and make that job into one that works a lot better for our life. And, you know, one good question to ask is, um, do you have the chance on most days to leave work with just as much health and well-being and energy as when you showed up in the morning? And I think if you can try and get to that point where on most days your life is getting better as a product of the work that you're doing, then it is something that's sustainable. And I think if you can at least give that a shot for several weeks or several months before you jump to, I need to go find a new job. It's probably a good idea. And, and you know what that says to me too, that we we have so much power and, and control to, to make positive changes in our lives. And sometimes I, as a coach, work with people who just feel that they have no options. But what I'm hearing you saying is, what I hear you saying is that, of course, we do, right? And we, we have to just have the courage and perhaps the vulnerability to say, here's what I want, right? It's the, it's the courage and the vulnerability. And it's also, uh, I think, taking ownership for it. Um, one of the things I've learned the hard way over the last decade in working with organizations is that um, I was kind of hopeful a decade ago when I started working on the science of general well-being at Gallup that companies would take ownership for that, like they did with employee engagement and strengths and other topics and say, you know, we need to make sure that our employees have higher well-being because they work for this company. Um, but after a, about a decade of kind of running into walls on that topic, 
I'm convinced now that it's up to each of us individually to say, you know what, companies are going to continue to do a really good job of making sure they get enough discretionary effort out of us as a product of our work. But it's up to each of us individually to make sure that we're better parents, we're better friends, we're more involved in our community, we're more secure in our finances, we have better physical health because we're a part of this organization. And we have to own that and audit that and track that and ask tough questions about it on an ongoing basis. Because in most cases, I think if we're not doing that individually, companies aren't going to really do it in a robust way for us. I'm with you 100%. Tom, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Tom, you mentioned your children who are young. How can parents and educators and members of communities help stress the importance of giving back to even our very youngest kids? Because I think those behaviors are are something that we need to initiate early on. You know, they are. And I think we need to have far more frequent conversations about why we do what we do and what drives us in the workplace on a weekly, monthly basis. One of the things I realized as I got into this topic of helping people to find where they can contribute most is that it's we really do need to go around at an individual level and as a team and say, here's who I am as a person. So instead of looking at someone's resume you're uh, joining a team with, for example, to go around and say, here are the big roles I play in life. So for me, that's being a dad and a husband and a researcher and someone that's involved in kind of giving back to our community with primarily around tips around health and well-being. Um, and then to say, what have been the big influential experiences that have shaped who I am and why I do what I do? And then maybe most importantly, I think, to have very open discussions with our families, with our teams, and with leaders to say, uh, here's how I think I can make the greatest contribution, and here's how I want to contribute to these efforts. So we have real clear expectations and alignment about that. Tom, I was so grateful to hear you discuss in the book how you really argue that we've gotten the whole self-improvement concept all wrong. So walk us through that. Yeah, you know, I, and this is something that struck me really early on in my career. I think probably 15 years ago, I worked on a, a book that was about friendships in the workplace called Vital Friends. And um, what I realized through a lot of the research in psychology and economics is that most of the energy that makes things great in our society is created at the intersection between two people. And we often think about development and we think about growth as an individually driven thing when we look inward, when really it's all about the energy we create when we're working with other people, when we're a part of teams, when we're a part of organizations trying to achieve common goals. And then Maybe the biggest piece that uh, this most recent book gets into is 
anytime we can orient those efforts outward, it leads to more energy, greater efforts, and we feel better about what we do in the process. One thing that's been kind of a surprise and it's been refreshing for me as I have begun to look outward a lot more at this latest research is the more time in a given day that you can focus thinking about other people and what you're contributing to their lives and acknowledging those efforts, it makes life a lot easier, a lot less stressful. Things move smoother and they're more meaningful in comparison to days when you're in your own head and you're looking inward and you're worried about what people are thinking about you and your efforts and what you're doing. And so it's a, it's a good orientation just for distribution of your time in a given day, I think. Yes, I, I would agree. So the book is fascinating to me in that it offers 12 contributions that really help us envision how we can help our teams, how we can help others, and, and in honoring strengths, right, find the energy that allows us to be our personal best. And you've created an assessment tool called Contribuify, or that's how I'm pronouncing it. Tell me if that's accurate. But I'd love to learn about this because this is really the crux of the book. Yeah, you know, one thing I realized as I got into this is we need a better methodology for focusing on other people and what matters most. So we built a this Contribify inventory, and the, the result of that is this profile that I hope can be a much more human and personal way of encapsulating your work than a resume, which when I was talking to some execs about this, um, I mean, you couldn't invent something more devoid of humanity and lifeless and sterile than the mo- than the common resume that we see out there. So I, it's, I think it's just an, an ina- grossly inadequate way of describing what matters in our work and our life. So that inventory uh, that's book readers can, there are two codes for it with each book and people can go through it as many times as they'd like uh, to kind of think about different teams and different efforts they're a part of and put together that ongoing profile. But it asks people about the big roles they play in life, their miles or their most influential life experiences. It asks them to describe their strengths. And then it asks them to prioritize how they want to contribute in the context of their current role and the current team they're on and the current team they're thinking about. And then the goal for that is that, one, it can kind of be a more human and personal baseball card for getting to know one another when you join a team or you're talking to a friend or a colleague or someone you're mentoring. And the second part of it is that it can help teams to sit around and kind of have that uh, storming and negotiating process about how each person can optimally contribute from the outset when they're thinking about serving a bigger purpose. Are you starting to see this being widely used with teams? Any, Any anecdotal feedback that you might be able to share at this early stage? Yeah, the earliest uh, feedback I've seen from teams who have been using the tool is that it helps them to set expectations about who's responsible for nurturing the relationships on this team, which boy, people overlook that almost every time. Who's the one that's responsible for energizing us and keeping us kind of charged and moving along the way? Who's responsible to make sure we're operating at a quality level and scaling to reach more people? And who's out there? I mean, one of the things I've frankly missed with when I've used this with some of the teams I've been on recently, um, I'll get a bunch of people together on a team. And because I like spending time in kind of the creative product development visioning areas, 
uh, all end up on a team with people who like doing the same things. And six months later, we'll be down the road and realize we've all been doing the same thing. And nobody's been selling the mission to the world and no one's been helping us to work on our own relationships. So it's a good reminder to step back and think about those essential components that you really can't do without on an effective team. Tom, I learned so much from you today. Thank you for joining me on the show. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you. And let me tell our global audience about your book. It's called Life's Great Question. Discover how you contribute to the world. And of course, it's available on Amazon and at all major book retailers. I wish you continued success. And again, delighted to spend time with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. Special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.